Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Recording a little bit late this morning. That's, I'm a little more awake anyway, so that helps. We're both a little more awake. (laughs) A lot of things going on. It's Catholic school weeks. It's Catholic school week. So we're, I was just, I just came back from Lourdes, from uh, celebrating Mass at Our Lady of Lourdes Academy. Had a great time with the girls there. They were wonderful this morning. Sang. I'm I'm like, whoa, they're singing this morning. They had their coffee too. Yep. So we had a great weekend. How was your weekend? You had a, we had a long week. It was a long week, After coming but back we survived. I made uh, it past the uh, confirmation retreat, so I'm I'm happy now. It was a great I'm retreat. Good. Kids had a good time. They said it was a little long, but that's good. Sometimes it was we a need... little long. Yeah, it's only one day. Yeah, but they're not used to it, so that's why we do it. Oh get my used goodness. to goodness. Kids... They don't like silence, and I make them sit in the church oh, in silence you're... for oh, half an hour. God forbid you haven't spent an hour with the Lord in silence. Come on. You're so mean, so so mean. I but it was good. It was good. I was I, I was in and out of that retreat, and they, obviously I had them for the mass at the end. But the, and you, you just asked me before we went on air uh, how they were at mass because you had to take off for an event, and um, and they were fine. I mean, they were. Uh, it was great, great energy in the church, and you know, preached about what I'm going to talk about now in the podcast. Um, pretty much, you know, getting them ready because our school kids and and I ask everyone listening to pray for them. The, the school kids get confirmed on. This Friday and uh, religious head kid gets com- get get confirmed on in May, so please pray for them. But I was talking to them about what happened yesterday in the gospel, mainly Jesus speaking with authority, and you know what happened. What happens is that we forget because of our baptism, because of our confirmation, Jesus gives us the authority to go out and preach the word. But in order to do that, we had to be con- we had to be conscious of that. We have to realize that number one, we 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 renew our baptism every time we walk into a church and bless ourselves with the holy water. We renew our baptism every time we recite the creed. We renew our baptism especially during the Easter season when we do the actual renovation of uh, renovation of vows. And so that's powerful, but we you know, we never hear about our confirmation that the sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit come down upon us when we were confirmed when we were teenagers, some of us as adults. And when we are confirmed, that Holy Spirit gives, them, gives us the same authority that Jesus Christ had. You know, Jesus shows up in, in yesterday's gospel in the synagogue, and people are astounded because they were saying he preaches like authority, Unlike the scribes, so the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the rabbis at the time had lost their authority, lost because they weren't practicing what they were preaching. Now comes Jesus. Obviously, he's anointed by the Holy Spirit. You know, we hear about that when the Holy Spirit comes upon him like a dove when he's baptized. Same thing happened to all of us. So, in the same manner that Jesus preaches with authority, so we as Catholics as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to go forth and preach with that same authority, that same gravitas, if you will. Obviously, not all of us can 
preach like a John Paul II or preach like a John Chrysostom or preach like a St. Augustine or preach like a Thomas Aquinas whose feast day was yesterday. But even if it's with, with small, like Mother Teresa would say, even if it's with small words, with small actions of love, that in itself is a homily with tremendous authority. So that's what I wanted to impart upon the children, that they understood that they are now called to go out into the world and to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Yep. So our, our kind of overarching theme for their retreat, and, and really it, I didn't plan it that way, looking at the at the readings and what we would be celebrating on Sunday, but was was really to put our trust in the Lord. You know, to allow the Holy Spirit to to transform them as they receive their confirmation, right? As mm-hmm. they as they are changed and go out into that world and, and change the world, because that's what we're called to do. You know, and and you know, I shared a little bit of my story and the, the different speakers who came shared a little bit about their lives and that theme just kept popping up over and over and over again. You know, that we are who we are and we've become who we've become and we've been able to do what we've been able to do not out of our own merits, not out of our own efforts, but really out of this abandonment to the Lord. Yeah, and I shared with them in both my professional journey and my in my personal life, you know, whenever I've been stubborn and hard-headed and said, "I want to be this" or "I want to do that." Right? And I'm and you know me, I'm a bulldog and when I latch onto that and I don't let go, most times I will fall short, I will get frustrated, I will I will become annoyed, right? But when I fail, I've often found that I go and I, I let the Lord have it, right? and I blame him. How could you, why wouldn't you help me out? Why wouldn't you do this? Well, I really want this. I really want that, right? And then I say, but I trust you, Lord. It's not easy to get there, but as I've, as I've grown in, in, you know, in my faith and my relationship with him, I want certain things, but at the end of the day, I say, okay, Lord, if this isn't what it's going to be, you know better. I'm going to put my trust in you. Let me know. Let me know where you're, where you're leading me, where you're guiding me, what it is that you want me to do. Right? And in, it's in that abandonment that I've been able to, and I'm not saying I've, I've done it well or done it perfectly far from it, but it's in that abandonment in saying, okay, I wanted to be as a high schooler, and, and this is why I share with the with our eighth graders and, and our couple of high schoolers. I wanted to be a physical therapist, right, and a sports trainer, even though I was terrible at science, right. But I had it in my head that this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I want to be. And when I finally gave up that dream because I kept failing and failing and failing, literally failing my grades, right. I said, "Okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to be?" And the journey that He took me on in that abandonment. Right and saying, okay, it's no longer about what I want. It's what do you want for me? Right. He led me to seminary, and then from seminary, he to kind of recenter me, right, bring me back into a, into a actual relationship with him that I had lost. You know, from there, I became a teacher. From there, I became you know I went and I and I got my advanced degree. From there, I became a youth minister, and then that role has grown into a director of religious ed and, and everything that I've become here at the parish. Things that I would have never dreamed for myself. Right? But because I said, where is it you want me, Lord? I'm going to put my trust in you and I'm going to let you work through me. Right? And I and I see the, 
the same desire that I had, right, to help people, to be there, to, to minister to people. And, and I was looking at that through a very specific lens of sports therapy, right? Because that's what I loved watching as a high schooler, right? But in that abandonment to my own desires and in that abandonment of my own dreams saying, you know best, that same desire has been fulfilled in an incredible way, in a, in a place and in a way that I would have never, that I literally laughed at when I was told earlier as a, as a young child, you'd be a good priest, you'd be a good minister. And I literally laughed in those people's faces. <laughs> right? But that's what abandon, that's what allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us does. Right? He's going to surprise us. He's going to, say, he's going to show us that we're capable of so much more than we, than we imagine ourselves because we love to put ourselves in a nice, neat little box in our comfort zone. And when we really give that up, when we really put that in the Lord's hands, oh my God, what we're capable of doing, who we're capable of becoming, right? And just how powerfully we're able to go out and transform the world, even if it's convincing one person of the goodness of God. You know, that's power. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's living our life with that same authority, right? To, to be a witness to, you know, like you said, Mother Teresa did it best. And she didn't get up and give rousing speeches. You know, she did, but but that that's not what she was known for. She wasn't the big orator. She was, I'm going to help this homeless person over here. Right? I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to get dirty with them. Right? And that authority, that power, that conviction, that was convincing. And all it takes is, right, meet one person, bring one person to church, bring one person to know the Lord, bring one person to an encounter in relationship with the Lord, and we're seeing that authority of the of the Holy Spirit working through us. So, as I was listening to you, my question would be, how do you balance that abandonment to your, I say this in, in a positive way, yep. your, your stubborn your stubbornness when it comes to achieving a goal. Because, for example, you were in seminary, and I wasn't a failure. I was just, that was, you left mm-hmm. center because you, you said, okay, the God is calling me someplace else. And But when I see you bite into something, like you said, you use the yep. term the bulldog. <laughs> and, you know, when you bite into something, you don't let go. Sometimes it's my leg, okay? <laughs> okay because, like, you have to, you know, Father, you have to do this. You have to, you have to keep your, you know, you have to keep your eye on the prize. You have to, you, have to, you know, and, and you're, you're dogged about it. So how do you balance that your relentlessness, because you are relentless when it comes to achieving a goal, with that abandonment. Right, and I would say that's where... We, that's, we've switched roles in this podcast. Oh, today. that's... that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's where prayer comes in. Yeah. yeah. And that's where discernment comes in. That's where reflection comes in. And, you know, it's... And it goes... It's not just the, in things in the spiritual. It's, it's with anything. Right, if I have a professional goal... Right, the way I view it on day one is going to be very different than the way I view it, you know, one week in, or one month in, or one year in. Right, so we can set goals, we can set, you know, aspirations, and those are good things, you know. But it's that constantly taking it to the Lord. Right, okay, Lord, this is what I want, and this is where I succeeded today, and this is where I fell short today. You know, what can I learn from that success? And more importantly, what can I learn from that failure? Right? And where is it that perhaps you're guiding me? You know, and something like, you, you mentioned 
when I left seminary. That was really difficult because a lot of people had put a lot of pressure on me to stay. I wasn't one of them. <laughs> You know, and in in both my family and the seminary, among my classmates, among throughout the diocese, I felt this enormous pressure that, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt a lot of people if if I leave. I'm gonna disappoint a lot of people if I leave. You weren't a priest, um, you know. But I just kept bringing that to the Lord and I said, you know, I'm feeling all this, but more importantly, in my heart, I'm feeling that this is not the long term thing for me. I need it. I know for a fact I need it to be there, but you're calling me somewhere else. And that's not a decision that I made from one day to the next. It took a year to make that decision, right? A year of prayer, a year of going through what I was being asked to go through as a seminarian. You, right? a of good, sitting, you had a pretty good spiritual director. You know, you of, uh, <laughs> of sitting in holy hours, of going to confession, of going to spiritual direction every single week, you know, and, and taking these very real desires right? This is who I want to be. This is what I think I, I'm called to do. These are the pressures that I'm facing. These are the failures that I'm facing. These are the successes that I'm facing. And trying to like put it all together. Right? And that's hard. And that's hard. But ultimately it came down to, okay, Lord, where is it that you are calling me? Right? And it's in, that, it's in that process of prayer, right? looking at the little things, right? the little steps. Here's here's where you're leading me today. And it all boils down to the curveballs that got thrown oh, as, as I hold a baseball in my hand yeah. right now while we're recording. Uh, that we may think, because when you were a kid, obviously you said these were your goals. These were your educational goals. These were, and then when you enter seminary, obviously when you're in seminary, you think, okay, I'm going to become a priest. And the people of God don't, and it took me a long time when I was in seminary to rec re recognize it. I'm 17 years old, this 17-year-old Mokoso, you know, kid, mm -hmm. Saying, "Hey, we're all going to be priests here. Everybody, everybody here in the seminary yep. is going to be priests." Well, the turnover rate for a guy, kids, guys entering seminary, you know, right out of high school is crazy. I was one of thirteen guys that got ordained that entered that year. So it's, a, but it, to me, it was like, why are guys? What is this discernment you speak of? Mm. I already did my discernment. That's how I entered seminary. That was I was dogged on that. Yep. That discernment wasn't an everyday thing. And then you realize with age, obviously, and with a lot of bruises mm -hmm. that God knocks you around and, and your formators knock you around yeah. and your classmates knock you around, that discernment is a daily thing. What you yeah. describe there, when you say, okay, what did I do today and what, how did I learn? What, I, what did I do wrong? What did I do right? It's called an examine yep. that we're called to do every single day when we go to sleep yep. and ask ourselves, okay, how did I fail in being a Christian this day? How did I fail? And that's just also... That that word, we don't. I, I think that we as preachers don't don't use it often enough in our in our homilies. But you're hearing it a lot today. The word discernment, something that comes from the Holy Spirit. We have to discern. We say it every day in the Our Father, Thy will be done. That's discernment. Yep. It's finding out. Okay, what is the will of God in my life? Yep. And so when we're talking to these young people who think they have the world figured out, when they have, <laughs> we laugh. Okay, because here you have two guys. We still don't have it figured out. Far from it. Okay, <laughs> we don't have things figured out. You know, I've been a preacher for almost twenty-two years, and I'm forty-eight years old. I don't have it figured out. Okay, Jorge, you know, it's about, his birthday is is later this week. You know, he, he he turns a nice, good age and has two children and has a beautiful wife. He doesn't have it figured out. He doesn't know. He still doesn't know a lot of things. He still, you know, has questions about parenting and has questions about being a good husband. And has questions about. Getting, 
being a good father has questions about being a good you know pastoral minister and i have you know not that i you know not that we question our roles or question our vocation we question every day is like are we doing this right mm -hmm. are not, not not are we doing this right let me rephrase that are we doing what you want us to do yep. whether it be something here in the parish whether it be something in your family something in my my spiritual or in our spiritual life personally are we doing what he wants us to do? That's ultimately what the goal is in the spiritual life, is to do God's will. And so when Jesus shows up yesterday, there's one word that I harped on. He told the, the, the demon, quiet. And you mentioned it. You needed those two, two years of seminary to be able to center yourself back in God, back on Jesus Christ, through the holy hours, through the daily masses, through the prayers, through spiritual direction, through confession, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because you needed to quiet your heart to be able to be open to, okay, this is where God is calling me. It's calling me to this profession. He's calling me to the sacrament of holy matrimony. He's calling me to re-encounter Angie. He's calling me to re-encounter, you know, being able to, maybe not full-fledged pastoral ministry 24-7 like I do, right. But being part of that journey yep. with me and with Father Davis before me and, yep. and with other priests that you've worked with. So that's part of discernment, but that's why that word, and it comes, it was just one word with an exclamation point that Jesus used yesterday to quiet the demon. And and, and St. Paul talked about it in the second reading yesterday is also, also when talking about marriage and talking about unmarried life, that you, 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 you know, an unmarried man is un, or an unmarried woman is unburdened by the things of the world, not distracted by the things of the world. They're not anxious about the things of the world. It's a word to use. They're not anxious about the things of the world. While a married man, a married woman is. It's not that he's throwing married people under the bus. Is that on any given moment we're surrounded by so many things and so many different problems we forget going to quiet, quiet our hearts to focus on Jesus. You know, and it's you know you asked me a question earlier. You know. It, it's, I guess the, the real answer is that voice of authority. You know, despite it all, you know, the, you just mentioned the curveballs. You know, it's the voice of authority that if we really take that time to quiet ourselves down and listen, it's going, you're going to hear it. And now it, the, the tricky part is doing that on the daily basis. You know, because I was just thinking as you were explaining that, I said, man, I graduated high school 20, 20 years ago. And You're very aware of your mortality during the birthday week. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's easy to kind of look back throughout these twenty years and say, "Oh wow, yeah, that that journey kind of made sense, right?" But when you're as you're going through, and I've used this analogy in the past, as you're going through it, right, it feels like you're on a roller coaster, right? I'm being flipped upside down here. I'm in a corkscrew over here, right? I'm dizzy. I'm I'm about to throw up, right? As as we're in the thick of it. Right, but that quiet allows us to say, okay, let me take this step today. Let me take this step today. Let me take this step today. You know, in, in discernment, we don't just wake up and say, okay, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a DRE, and boom, it's done. No, it's it's literally one small step at a time, and it's it's that putting our trust in the Lord and saying, you've got the authority here. Right, you know what's best. You know what I need. You know how you know how to satisfy my wants and my desires properly, right? And I'm scared out of my mind, but okay, I'll take this little baby step here today. 
and I'll take this little baby step tomorrow, and I'll take this little baby step the day after. And, and as you're going through that, it feels like you're twisting and turning and upside down and, and getting thrown about in the craziness of the, of the ocean. And yet 20 years later, as you look back, all you see is a perfectly straight road. Right? And that's the, that's the grace of the Holy Spirit. That's what that looks like. And, and I don't have it all figured out, and I'm far from who I'm going to be and, and what I'm meant to do. But I firmly believe I am where I am today because the Lord wants me to be here in this moment. I have no idea what comes tomorrow. But neither of us do. But this is where this is where the Lord has led me. Right? And I can only worry about today. Absolutely. And what and what his voice is calling me to do today. You know, St. Paul, the first line of the of the second reading yesterday was was I should like you to be free of anxieties. Yep. He's talking to the Corinthians. I should like you to be free of anxieties. Yet, Jorge knows that around spring every year I get a little anxious. My nerves get the better of me because that's around the time of year that priest assignments or priests are moved around or told they're going to be moved around. And in 22 years of priesthood, let me actually, let me go back because it sounds like 20 years of priesthood. But when I got here, I was a priest for, I just, I had just finished my 17th year of priesthood. So in, in, sorry, 17th, 18th year. Sorry, I, I forget that. 17 year of priesthood. And during those 17 years, I was changed eight times. So I always get a little angsty in the spring because, and it's, you know, I'm because I love where I am. I love where, you know, the, the people that I work with. I love every parish I've been at, mostly. You know, I, I've like, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Um, no, I have. And, uh, and, Sometimes, you know, God throws you the curveball and he did it, you know, five years ago this, you know, this spring when he, the archbishop called me and said, yeah, I want you to go for Immaculate Conception of a Little Flower. And the only thing I thought of was a gentleman sitting in front of me because he was here and I'm like, oh, great. I get to go work with George and everything else scares the hell out of me because I was comfortable where I was at. Right. But that's the thing God always is trying to get us out of our comfort zone. You look at Jesus, and you look at his ministry, constantly was calling the disciples out of their comfort zone, constantly calling the people, Pharisees, scribes, teachers of the law, out of their comfort zone. And because when we get comfortable, we get complacent, and we we have no room for discernment. We have no room for the Spirit. And so if we're going to follow Jesus Christ, we're going to allow room for the Spirit, if we bring it back to the confirmation kids that are going to receive the fullness of the Spirit this Friday, you know, and in May, you know, we have to allow that spirit to move us. So, yeah, I mean, while I'm perfectly confident that I'm not going to be transferred this summer, you know, knock on wood, you know, it still is something that's always in the back of my head. And then there has to come this trust that wherever God takes me, and that's been the case, he takes care of me. While it would suck, again, I'm not, I don't want to create a panic or anything like that, but... <laughs> It's just that it's something that, that as a priest, when you pledge obedience, it happens. the same thing happens to the sisters. Like last year, Sister Rosalie and Sister Sean Pauline came into my office at the beginning of May and said, Father, uh, Sister Sean Pauline's leaving. And I was like, oh, no. And we still miss her. And we were talking about this last week, that that absence that we feel because she was so good with the kids and, 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 and just a spiritual force that she was in our school and our parish community and so loved. But she's... 
taking care of novices. She's taking care of the future teachers of our school, you know, the future of the Carmelites. So that's that was so important. That's so important what she's doing right now. But in all of this, there is a trust because the sisters they get this every year. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had, we, you know we've had we've been lucky. We've had Sister Rosalie and we, we've had some of the sisters here for a while. But I look back at through the years. I look at the yearbook. I look at the, and I go. It was like almost every year there was like a different group of sisters here. Yep. Every year it's like, where will you take us, Lord? And they do this. I mean, yes. They they miss their kids and they miss all these things, but it, the thing is that they spend hours with the Blessed Sacrament every day. So when you spend that time with with their spouse, Jesus Christ, then when their spouse calls them somewhere else, because that's oh, we're moving there, well, then we're moving there, and it's that abandonment as you were talking about, which is so hard for us to do, especially the two of us, we're such control freaks, you know, that we. It is, it, no quit that we it costs us to be able to say okay lord whatever you call me to be because for me it's simple it's me i just pick up and go for me is okay how does it affect you and how does it affect your wife and how does it affect your children when you make a decision and when you trying to follow the lord's will that's why paul made that mm-hmm. that distinction between unmarried and married men so, how do we do that yeah ain't it fun it's a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So um, you got to keep it brief because today we have a very full day. Ahoy was even saying, we should skip today's episode, but I think today's episode was great. But um, yeah. it's, it's, it's so much easier said than done, though. It is. Like, I just I was just going back, like, listening to my, not actually listening to him, but thinking of you know, how, how I laid out that whole intro. Right. And I'm like, man, that took me two minutes to, to recap and and actually living it was absolute hell. So I don't I don't want to I want to make it clear that I'm not saying it's easy. Nope. You know, it is difficult. It is challenging. I I've, I've probably said some nasty things to the Lord that I wish I wouldn't have said. You know, but that's relationship. You know, that's relationship. So so when I encountered a failure, you know, when I encountered a difficulty, when something didn't go the way I wanted to. You know, yeah, I I lashed out, you know, but but that's what I do with the Lord. That's honest. You know, that's, that's honest. That's what we should be doing with our spouses, with our not in a not in a uh, not in a destructive way, you know. But that honesty where I can lay myself open, right, and say you disappointed me, you know. And then the Lord it says, "I'm sorry you feel that way, but look at." Where I'm leading you, Jeremiah. That happened. We talked about it back in September. You know, you do so, me, Lord. So yeah, it's it is not by any stretch of the imagination an, an easy thing to do, as as easy as we may describe it uh, after the fact. And you know, having someone to walk with you in that journey, be it a spouse, be it a spiritual director, be it a priest or a man, you know, I've I've been blessed over the last. 18 years to walk with this young man who's pushing 40, you know, and walk in his journey and walk through the, the triumphs and the, and the, and the valley and the valleys of his life. 39. I'm not, I know I got another I year pushing, to go. I got another year to go. It says the man who's pushing 50. Okay. So <laughs> shut up. Okay. But yeah, I was, I was just calculating when you were talking about, he's going to turn what, how old is he? He was born 85. Okay. Yep. Um, 39. So, but it's fine. But I'm saying having, Having someone to walk with you in the journey, and I've been, you know, 
honored and privileged and blessed to be able to walk with this young man for the last 18 years of his life since I met him, you know, and seeing him excel and seeing him triumph so many things and, and going through the triumphs and valleys of his life and and then seeing him, you know, kick my butt in golf and kick my butt in pretty much everything and kick my butt when I... Except pick him at the, in, in, the, yeah, exactly. in the playoffs. Exactly. You finally got one on me. There you go. It's not, I'm not having one yet, but, but you're going to beat me anyway. So, but, but, but keep my butt in th- and keeping, <laughs> and, and keeping things real and making sure that I keep my eyes on the prize and, and not that I forget, you know, actually I do sometimes forget. That's why I go to confession that I am pastor of this incredible parish and that there are so many goals that we have that I can get distracted by st- not stupid things, but you know, I could focus on other things and, and Jorge's always the one that says, father, focus, you know. ADD over over here. And so it, it, that's why it's so important to have someone to to help you in that discernment, to help you be in that, that authentic version of yourself so that you can go out and preach with authority. You could go out and with authority spread the gospel. So my friends, as you go through your week, as you we we ask you to please pray for our kids that are going to receive confirmation this weekend in May. Pre pray for this young man who turns 39, as he said, this coming Wednesday on the Feast of St. John Bosco, a great day to be born, also the day that his godson was born. And pray that, you know, God give you the gift of discernment. It is so elusive because we get distracted by so many stupid things in this world. But when you are able to focus on the reality of Jesus Christ, when we quiet our hearts, as he commands the demons to do in the gospel yesterday, we quiet our hearts, then we're able to listen to the voice of the Spirit that's going to call us to where God wants us to be. Taylor Swift to the Super Bowl. Oh, stop. You're going to start with that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Your sister finally has caved and decided to embrace the insanity. There were so many pictures of her kissing Travis Kelsey on the field after they won that game. Yeah. A game that apparently Baltimore forgot to show up for. We didn't see much of the game because we had the family picnic yesterday, the pig roast. And so Jorge and I, I think we got arrived at the house at our respective homes you know, to watch the fourth quarter of that game. But... From what I saw of that game, especially in the fourth quarter, Baltimore was dumb. Yeah, the entire game. And I hope uh, I hope Flowers does not return to Baltimore anytime soon. Wow, he will not be very well received on the streets of Baltimore. I mean, he yikes! He had a he, uh, the taunting. So I mean, listen, I get the excitement of the moment, but you're down ten. In the AFC, in the AFC championship game, trip to the Super Bowl on the line. You didn't even score. T- you, all right, you made a big play. You got down to the ten. You're a professional. Mm-hmm. Just get up, line up for the next play. Exactly. But you know, you tell me, you, you tell me, you score a touchdown to go up twenty-one and put the game away. 
All right, I'll give you some leeway on uh, on the taunting and the celebrating, but you're losing. I think we spoke about this before, right? Yeah. Just everybody who celebrates everything, just oh, oh yeah, you know, oh you made you you got a first down. Congratulations, you're losing by thirty five. Like that's embarrassing that you're celebrating. So yeah, the taunting. So, so you you had hot takes in our text conversation yesterday. You said you said Flowers needs to have a seat on the bench first, the taunting, then the fumble, and then the fumble. And you know the best part of that fumble. The guy who knocked it out was the guy he taunted. Yeah, on the on the reception. Then you said Casey had no business winning that game. The script reigns. Yeah, but here's the thing: the script does not, <laughs> did not cause Flower to taunt him. The script did not call Flowers to fumble. Did not cause. No. Oh, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch a nerve here. Did not cause Lamar Jackson to throw into triple coverage in the end zone. But no, a blatant pass interference. Ah, uh, here we go. And yet they're gonna say, "Oh, it was triple coverage." Here's my take: I don't care if it's you're throwing into. <laughs> 11 on one, <laughs> you could have the entire defense defending that one guy. If he's being tackled yeah. by someone who's not even in the act of going for the ball mm-hmm. and another player happens to intercept it, that's pass interference. Then you had a hot take on on Patrick Mahomes. You told me, quote, he's a bigger crybaby than LeBron. And that says a lot. Wow. But it's true. Mind you. What five years do because of five you years ago. You touch Mahomes and, yeah. and you're going to start with this little. <laughs> you're on fire today. Five and the, years and ago. The, and the stupid refs give him the flags. Five years ago, everybody was rooting that Tom Brady be taken down by Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Now yeah. we don't want to see the Chiefs because yeah. I guess we didn't want the Chiefs. We didn't want the Taylor Swift circus. Yeah. Right. Did you see Nick Bosa sack Jared Goff in the second game in I the did. NFC? I did. All right, wrapped him up. Yes, he did. Threw him to the floor like a ragdoll. Threw him to the floor. I think there was some helmet-to-helmet contact there, too. Probably, yeah. And what did Goff do? He got up and went to the next play. Mm-hmm. He didn't whine about it. He didn't cry about it. Mahomes gets wrapped up and thrown like that. But wasn't Brady like that five it's years ago? It's 11.45 in the morning, and the next day he'd still be crying about it. And every referee would have thrown their flag on the field. But I'm saying, wasn't Brady like that towards the end also? Getting I up just, and like... You know, Peyton Manning was as well. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm saying, but there are guys that are stoic and just go about their business. But I'm saying five years ago, you know, everybody was rooting for Patrick Mahomes, I mean, to, to take down Brady, and they did. Yes. And now we don't want to see Patrick Mahomes. We probably don't want the Taylor Swift circus. You want to hear something? It's, very, the, it's the LeBron, ba- the LeBron, yeah, the Lon, LeBron baby syndrome. Right. You want to hear something interesting about Taylor Swift and her trajectory during Super Bowl week? This is pretty cool. I heard and she's I, over in Japan the day before. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Taylor Swift performs in, performs in Japan the night before the Super Bowl. It will end around 10 p.m. Tokyo time, which is 5 a.m. Las Vegas time, the night before the Super Bowl. This flight, actually, the day before the Super Bowl. The flight from Tokyo to Vegas takes 12 hours, meaning Swift can arrive at 5 p.m. local on the day before the Super Bowl, 25 hours, 35 minutes before kickoff, because she has to cross the international dateline. She kind of goes back in time. Back in time. <laughs> so when she's ending over there, 10 p.m. Saturday night. It's 5 a.m. in the morning, Saturday morning, in 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 Vegas. So, of course, she's gonna fly back. They've already, American Airlines already renamed two of their flights, yeah. flight 1989, and flight going to Vegas and coming back to Kansas City, flight 87 for Travis Kelsey. Now, every every girl wants them to win the Super Bowl so that Travis Kelsey can pr- propose on the field. I got so many texts about that from female friends of mine. Go Niners. It's going to be the, can I say something? It's going to be the biggest rating 
ever. Oh, for sure. It's going to be amazing. And these two idiots are going to watch it. Speaking of Niners, let's talk about that game. All right, because uh, uh, Baltimore had their chances at the end, uh, but it was just bad. They It was just so many personal foul penalties. Let's talk about the Niners and the Lions. The Lions came out gashing the 49ers defense, punching them in the face, went up 17 points. And I'm thinking, wow, the Detroit Lions. Are going to the Super Bowl. And we're going to have the same game. The last game of the year is going to be the same as the first game of the year. Nope. And it's going to be a great game, great storyline. Dan Campbell. I had my picture with Dan Campbell queued up to tweet out. And then he decides not to go for it. I mean, he decides not to, to kick go. a field goal to go up three scores halfway through the third quarter, where time is a factor. And goes for it on fourth and two. Mind you, the right play call. Jared Goff made the right play, but the receiver drops the ball. Of one of several drops that receiver, I yeah. can't forget. I forget his name now. Everybody in Detroit knows his name though. And then Dan Campbell later in the game, because after that, four yards get good field position, go down, score. The next play, Detroit has they fumble the ball. Niners tie the game. Yep. So now instead of up three scores, you're tied. And Detroit doesn't remember how to run an offense. And Ben Johnson's interviewing for head coaching jobs this morning. Ben Johnson was. I, we didn't work with me in the Dolphins staff. Or yeah. I, I, he worked in the Dolphins staff. I worked other places with the Dolphins. But Dan Campbell, then he has a chance to go f- to tie the game later in the game, passes up to go for it on fourth down, and they miss it. And so you have so many things. And also the time management at the end was so crazy, yeah. the three timeouts, and then mm-hmm. you, you fourth down. Why are you running the ball on third down when you know you just throw it into the end zone when you can't afford to run the ball? So a lot of questions. You could ask Dan Campbell, but that's how they got there. Yep. That I was going to say that's that's him. And and that's and that would have been, but Jorge, that would have been such a great Super Bowl week. Dan Campbell at the mic, talking about biting off kneecaps and you know and and biting them out down again when they knock you down and and Detroit and my goodness. There's still one of four teams that has never made a Super Bowl. Jacksonville, Cleveland, and Houston are the others. And they were going to take themselves off that list, and they still are there. So close. So, so close. But they won two playoff games this this year, while the Dolphins have not. So the Niners, listen, Brock Purdy had an amazing second half with his legs as well. Mm-hmm. So right now, I don't know what the line is this morning. It started open at two and a half Niners, which like, why are they keep putting the Chiefs? As underdogs, they're underdogs in Buffalo. They're underdogs in in Baltimore, and they won both games convincingly. Yep. And they didn't score a point in the second half yesterday. I mean, what's going on with the Chiefs? Them repeating with and that, and we thought the Dolphins had a chance against this team in the wild card round. Come on, they're inevitable, just like Thanos. <laughs> All right. So you get your Patrick Mahomes. The line is right now it's minus one San Francisco. Go Niners. That that's gonna be a it's gonna be a good game. It's a rematch of Super Bowl Live that was played here in Miami, nope. 20, uh, 54. That was a great game. Niners should have won that game, but Pat Touch Mahomes came back, and Kelsey. I could see him walking away if they he wins a ring. His brother did mm-hmm. this earlier this postseason, so we'll see what happens there. So we got the the Niners, we got the Chiefs rematch of Super Bowl Fifty Four in Vegas two weeks from now. And um, hopefully that Miami Heat are playing better basketball when the Super Bowl comes around. 
Six in a row. They traded Bad. for Terry Rozier, Bad. got rid of Kyle Lowry, and they get smoked in New York, get smoked by the Boston Bad. Celtics. Uh, and they were playing well before, you know, before that six-game winning streak, or losing streak. Uh, the Panthers are playing well. Sam Reinhart. Sam Rhino. Hey, he scored again. Yeah, he's, he's scoring a lot. <laughs> uh, Rhino's and the UM basketball team on on two UM basketball teams. The men's te- ga- team on Saturday almost blew a big lead to Pitt, and yesterday our women, you know, our girls took down Duke. That's a big big win. And congratulated, congratulations to Roger Penske's team for winning the 24 Hours of Daytona. That's for you, Carly. You know, so all that's going on. And I think Inter Miami's over um, in Saudi. Not think I know they're in Saudi Arabia, oh, well. and they're playing over there. They haven't won a game in a since September. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on there? Are we uh, talk- it's friendlies right now. I, I know, but towards the end, there at the season, it's like yeah, they'll get they'll get they'll get their act together. So that's what we got in sports. Super Bowl is coming up. We're looking forward to that. And the uh, Marlins, the Marlins, um, did the fan fest on Friday. You, you like you like the new uniforms there, buddy? It's been the. Is it sad? The biggest thing they've done this offseason is change the color of the script on their jerseys. They 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 hired a president of baseball operations. <laughs> that, I'll defend them on that one. But I we were talking on on Saturday because. They, they obviously they did fan fest early because the, the uh, Caribbean, um, yeah. the Cari is yep. is going to be starting this week in Marlins Park. But th- we're, the two of us, and there is no bigger base Marlins fan than Jorge, who as a little kid would go to sleep in his baseball uniform and come home wanting to see the, every pitch of every game. And the two of us are so apathetic. The two of us are so apathetic. To what's going on down in Little Havana? I mean, we who did we sign last week? We signed uh, Mancini, Trey Mancini. Mancini to a minor league deal. Okay, that would have been great ten years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what are we doing? And Hori Soler is still out there, you know, unsigned. Put him back in the lineup. He had a good year last year. Hopefully, he does more yeah. like, like this year than the year before. So, man, him with Bergrand Bell, that that'd be that'd be great. That'd be fun to see. That'd be great. Anyway, so that's what's going on Major League Baseball three weeks from uh, from opening spring, spring training, so we're looking forward to that. My friends, discern. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Do it at the end of the day, especially when you do your examine and ask for the authority to preach the gospel. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.